0: Welcome to alert and oriented conversations about God between friends. Join Gary Barklow and Sam Williamson as we talk about real life with the real God, really.
1: Gary, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine just last week, and and the pastor was saying he feels a strong, compelling, a strong calling, if you will, towards safety, and protection. I mean, it's sort of like his go-to theme. And so he was telling me that when COVID hit two years ago, um, he decided, you know, obviously not to have face-to-face meetings, like I think all churches in America did, or almost all, but he decided not to have church, not to have face-to-face meetings again for over 12 months. So, you know, most churches I know stop from, I don't know, March to May or something. And then they started trickling in with opening. He kept his church closed over 12 months. I don't know the exact number of months. And in that time, he said his church his church shrunk by over 50%. And when he reopened, they never came back. He said that the church had its first suicide in the history of the church. And he said depression skyrocketed, including himself. He was clinically depressed. And yet he's sharing this story of, I kept the church safe in a way, sort of like with, with pride in his, in his commitment to safety. And I'm sitting here, (laughs) I'm sitting here stunned a little bit because I remember a quote and I don't remember who said this, but it was, it was actually talking about heresy, but it said, Any single virtue left by itself will turn you into a monster, Mm. which I just thought was great. Mm. So I I think what struck me was this guy was so committed to safety that he left out all kinds of spiritual pastoring, caring. I mean, a whole set of other things that are also part of our call in in Christianity.
0: Right. And you know, what's so ironic about this is, trying to be safe and someone actually commits suicide and and who knows what happened to the lives of so many people that were going to that church that maybe have now walked away from their faith or whatever it is right that yeah that idea as you said you know it's safetyism or fearism and i remember asking you what what does ism mean when we put that on words and so you were saying you know it's just when you make something a doctrine right? A, a theory, a system of practice. And, and when you put it that way, right? Living by fear is wrong. We know that. But living by being safe, you know, is equally as wrong. You know, I, I, was, I remember hearing someone say as well, and I'm not sure who this was, but they said something like, we obey what we fear. And and so so this this pastor, you know, wanting to keep everybody safe, it kind of makes me wonder what was he obeying? What is it that he really, really fears? Because he's obeying it. I mean, to use his authority to shut down a church for 12 months, and I bet you a lot of those people wanted to come back and be in fellowship again. Um in fact there was a second quote by this person. Again, I, I'm not sure who that was, but they said, "You know, whatever you fear, you give authority to in your life." And I remember because I wrote that in my notes. Again, I'm not sure where I heard that, but I thought, "Oh, that's that's the warning call right there. Whatever you fear, you give authority to in your life." So it may. I, I remember thinking, "What is it that I really fear?" Because it now has. It has lordship over my life in some ways, which, you know, only Jesus is allowed to have that.
1: No, I, I love that. Whatever you fear, you give authority in your life, you make your lord because it is true. I know that if if I am in a very deep personal conversation with somebody and someone will, I can ask them or they can ask me or one of us will share, you know, the thing that I'm really scared of, I often feel like there's silence and I feel like this is gonna be a very personal, intimate moment because what we're scared of, what we're really scared of does control us. It dominates us. And, and we're we're doing everything in our power to keep it at bay. I mean, this is why some parents control their kids is because they're just afraid that their kids might, I don't know, get into drugs or prostitution. I mean, of course that's how, it's, it's good. We don't want that. But oftentimes the very thing we fear in our efforts to control it, we create the very thing that we didn't want to have happen. Our kids run away from us because they don't want to be under our controlling hands. Um, but the thing that the thing that I found, and look at this is not this is not meant to be mostly about COVID, because honestly, no pastor, no board of elders, no board of directors had someone on their board who had a master's degree and had to deal with a church in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, nobody knew how to do it, right? So I'm not meaning to blame anybody about how they did stuff, but I do want to look at the underlying motivations, which is the safetyism or this fearism. But during COVID, even though this isn't mostly about COVID, it just looked like both sides, progressives and conservatives or pro-vaccination people or anti-vaccination people were using fear you know, the anti-vax people. I mean, we really did hear people who said Bill Gates is putting a microchip in you. You know, it was sort of like this driving the fear or, you know, or other people were saying, whatever it was, it was just, I want a rational discussion, but it was sort of like people were turning up the heat just to ignite that one area, fear or safety out of proportion to all kinds of other things.
0: Yeah, and, you know, as it's been said, most fears are illusions, right? They just never happen. But, and it does seem, Sam, that-
1: you Remember that old famous old line that mother says, what are you talking about? My fears don't work. They never happen. It works all <laughs> the time. <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> That's good. And, and yeah, and it just seems like we go from our society, our culture, maybe the world, goes from living in one fear and when that fear starts to diminish a little bit we go to another one. Now, yes, awful things are happening around the world all the time. It is true. Many of many of those things we don't we're not even aware of, but you know, we've gone through, you know, from a lot of fear about COVID and death to now we're afraid of possible nuclear war. It just seems like we go from thing to thing to thing. It's like, we don't know how to live without fear. So let's grab one thing and exploit it for a while. So, so let me ask you, because you, Sam, you really do, you know, your, part of your passion is examining the culture and what lies behind our behaviors, which are dictated by our beliefs. Well, what are you seeing? What are the different fears out there or the different safety factors that seem to be at play right now?
1: Um, to me, I think that one of the things that's going on with fearism or safety ism is different parties trying to manipulate other parties. Fear is a great controller. It really mm-hmm. is. And, you know, uh, Michael Crichton, who was a guy whose books I just loved. I mean, he died 10 or 15 years ago. But one of his most famous books was called The State of Fear. And he was using, you know, something going on in politics at the time and still going on. But his main point was there seems to be some ways politicians and media is trying to control our behavior and our thoughts and even the way we perceive reality by hyping and vamping up and putting a flame under fear. Fear is, a, it's almost like a better motivation. It's, it's a, like the stick is almost more powerful than the carrot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I don't think it really is more powerful than the carrot. I mean, I really do think saying appealing to my desires in some senses is, is is better than appealing to my fears. But I think fears do work in the short term. And so there's a way I think people, the world is trying to get us to buy into a set of things You know, the fear frenzy during the COVID just was fascinating, again, by progressives and by conservatives, just this fear of politics, fear of Biden, fear of Trump. Fear was like, you could almost have said 2021 and maybe 2022 was the year of fear. Um, All in a certain way of these two parties bashing each other and fighting each other. And I don't think God, you know, what is one of the most common commandments in scripture? Fear not. You know, that God has a way for us to deal with fear. We can't just banish the fear, but God really does not want us to live under fear.
0: Yeah. You know, Proverbs 29, 25 says the fear of the, the fear of man lays a snare. This is just what you were talking about, right? The, The manipulation of, of people, of societies, of cultures with fear. So the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And, 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 and it's easy for me to read that, but I find myself, you know, as we often talk about, you know, what were you reading this morning? What were you thinking? What were you praying about? I often find myself, you know, in thinking about the things that I'm afraid of. And you can always bring that back to, in a sense, a snare of man, you know, that's out there. Erwin McManus said, and, and, I, and I love this quote, I loved his book called um, The Last Arrow. But he said, I will not allow fear to move me from where I should be to where it wants me to live. Hmm. And and that's the thing you and I talk about often, right? Is, you know, I feel like I'm living in this place or as everyone talks about this space right now. And it's not where I should be living, but I'm obviously motivated to live here. And often it's fear. It's not like you said, it's not love. It's not passion It's not desire. It's fear that's causing me to live here instead of where I should be living.
1: Well, I think one of the things that I like about your verse that you just read, and could you again give the reference in case people want to look it up?
0: Yeah, it's, um, hold on, let me find it again. Uh, oh, Proverbs 29, 25.
1: And just read it one more time.
0: The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe.
1: What I like about this is I, I, was, I had a passage that I was going to read, too, which is which I think is fun because um, the idea of safety in the Lord is not the same as the idea of safety in the world. Mm-hmm. So in Pro, in Hebrews 11, it's, you know, Hebrews 11 is this big passage about faith. You know, Abraham had faith and all these other people had faith. And look at all the stuff that happened in faith. So I, I just want to read you a couple of verses. So, the writer, we don't know who the writer of Hebrew is, says, What more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. So, through faith, had all these miraculous saving events. Four, three verses later, four, two verses later, others, Suffered mocking and flogging and chains and in prison. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, and they were killed with the sword, you know. And mm-hmm. these are still people who were faithful. You know, so the first part sounds really good. I was safe. And God says you could also be safe in this world, even if we're mocked and scourged. And I'm thinking. God has a whole new opinion of what safety means. I mean, I need to get his (laughs) definition because being sawn in two does not fall into the safety area in my mind. But, you know, the very next chapter is the famous chapter, which is we look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And in a certain sense, I think what scripture is saying is the thing that we need for true safety, not the world's safetyism, but the true safety is looking, looking in some ways, gazing at Finding our refuge, finding our home, finding our in God, you know, to say mm-hmm. this time on earth, I'm just a sojourner. I'm living in a tent. This is not my home, you know? And I think that we so think of this time on earth as our home and God is saying, look at this time on earth is very important. I love this world. God loves the, you know, the world, but this is temporary and true safety it is finding a refuge in god in a way that that means we don't fear we literally don't fear the evils of this world because we know the end of we've read the end of the book
0: yeah you know okay so another verse that i'd written down that goes so well with what you just said you would think there was like one author to the whole bible it's kind of amazing <laughs> it's kind anyway, of amazing but but it's proverbs 133 and it says but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So a couple of things hit me. One is ending, beginning with what you just said, when he says without dread of disaster, he doesn't say without disaster. Right? <laughs> he said, he says without dread of disaster. You know, this idea of there is a peace that is not of this world and there is a promise but but he also says, but whoever listens to me dwells, in, in, dwells secure and will be at ease. And I honestly, Sam, I just thought of, of your book and your course on hearing God. This is what you're talking about. How do we hear God, you know, both in scripture and hear his voice to us personally? Because if we do that, we will dwell securely and be at ease. But without his voice, there's only the voices of the world, the voice of our own heart, which often screams in fear you know, or our flesh. So, yeah, I think that's just so important with what we're talking about.
1: And there's some way that God calls us to abide in him. You know, this is the famous John 15 passage, you know, I think there's a spiritual dwelling. I mean, there's a spiritual abode, there's a spiritual refuge, there's all these metaphors in scripture, but there's a spiritual rock where we can rest in the middle of an earthquake and in the middle of the shaking that we're seeing in the world around us. I mean, we, we were just before our call today, you and I were talking about what are our kids going to face in this world? And what are our grandkids going to face? Things that we didn't have to deal with. But there is a security for them. There really is a bulwark of God such that they can, they can have dangers in this world and not have to fear the dangers in this world. Uh, and yes, God did stop the mouths of lion for Daniel. He may not stop the lions, not for me, and God will say that's okay. I mean, yeah. I can have a confidence not in any safety in this world, but I can have a confidence in God that will give me life and strength and hope in the middle of this world. and that's what God invites us to. you know whether whether we whether that danger actually does happen or doesn't, God says there is a rich abundant life we can have. And that's what I want. I don't, I don't want a, a false safety built on false promises of this world.
0: Right. So where my mind goes to is the question that we can all ask ourselves personally. I'm asking myself in this is what is my personal theology, my personal doctrine, my personal belief system and You know, you, again, you talk about this often, Sam, and, you know, the truth is we live by our personal theology often more, more deeply than we do biblical theology because we live out of our heart, you know? It's
1: the beliefs of our heart, right? It's the beliefs of our heart. I believe in God, that God loves me, but deep down inside, we're afraid he's not gonna care for us.
0: Right. And so we create isms, you know, we've been talking about the safety ism or fear ism. And again, it's that thing. It's just, you know, we can be dwelling in it, living in it committed to it and not even realize it. You know, I I love this quote and I've used this before by Larry Crabb and I I, want to read it again, but it's just, it's such a motivating quote to me an illuminating quote. And he says, pursue your greatest good. Now, let me pause for a second. He doesn't mean pursue what's best for you. He means the good that God has put in your heart. That's the greatest good that's in your heart. So he says, pursue your greatest good with a passion that will weaken your resolve to avoid your worst fears. <laughs> and I love that, right? I mean, we're going to be driven by something, either fear ism or safety ism, or this, this desire, this passion that God has put in our heart that we are to fulfill as his calling for our life and our place in this world. And then he goes on and just to finish the quote, he says, don't live to avoid what you most fear, Live to gain what you most want, and only then will you discover whom Jesus has made you to be, which is very similar to that quote by McManus, right, that fear is trying to get you to live in a place you're not supposed to live in, rather than the place and the life that he has given you. And I, yeah, I, and, and this is why I think it goes, you know, you and I talk about the value, the absolute prominent core idea of friendship we need friends to call us out and say so what are you living by right now what are you living according to why are you making that decision you know why can't you move at this moment so that we can then go yeah this is what's been this is what's driving me in my heart and it's almost always going to come down to fear right the first emotion ever shown uh you know in scripture that we read about was i was afraid now we could argue the first one was love, love of God, but fear was the first, at least negative fleshly emotion.
1: So I think that, um, just, so going hand in hand with friendship, which is a core value, we of course, spiritual value. I mean, I really think it's a core mm-hmm. spiritual value, but going hand in hand with that is something we also talk about a lot, which is honest self-evaluation, honest self-appraisal. Because I know as friends, early on in our relationship, we were in a little group of men in a cabin up in the hills of Colorado. I think it was just five or six of us. And I remember one of the things we all did was we went around and said, what are you most afraid of? And -hmm. it was sort of in a very amazing tender moment, but I think it's a helpful moment because fear is one of those hidden motivators that we don't think about. We do know what we're lusting after in a certain sense, but if we don't know what we're afraid of, we're often running from things completely ignorant of it. And I think- I think a very helpful thing for us to do is grab a friend and say, let's share our deepest fears and help my, oh, dear friend, help me walk free of them. Help, help me focus on what God has put in my heart to pursue. Help me focus on looking to the Lord so that I break the prison of this fearism.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes me think, right, as a, as a little child, we are afraid to death of whatever it is in that closet. we know, we heard something and it's, it's, you know, and it drives us until finally, you know, either we, or one of our, you know, our parents take us open the door and say, see, there's nothing in it. And then you realize there really was nothing there. And I, and I say that because I think having those moments with friends to say, this is what I'm really afraid of. We start to realize, "I, I shouldn't be afraid of that. You know, again, most fears are illusions. So either, either it's not, it's not true. There's no guarantee it's going to happen. We live like it is. Like I'm just waiting for this to happen, this terrible thing to one of my kids, to me, to our marriage, to the world. But I think identifying fears, I find it is really powerful to go either it's not true, or then I find scripture to come against it versus this invisible thing I can't, I can't articulate or understand. Um, or I'm just aware of it and say, I, I will not be motive, I will not be motivated by it, walk into it. It will not direct my life now that I see what it is.
1: Right. You know, God does not want us to live under those fears. Now, some of the fears are real. Right. In a sense, you know, like as a father, I am so glad that I had to help, that my helped my kids learn to ride a bike. Each one of them fell though. And of course, why are they afraid to learn to ride a bike? Because they don't want to get, they don't want to fall. Sometimes our fears are true. I will fall. I've never, I don't know anybody who's learned to ride a bike without falling. You know, they eventually fall. So part of their fear is that fall will destroy me. But, you know, most of us find that a skinny isn't the, in fact, I don't even remember any of my skin knees growing up, but I know I had a lot. So some of our fears aren't true. Some of our fears are true and they really will happen, but they're not as bad as we think. A, 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 A fear on this earth is nothing compared to eternity. And and God is promising us a kind of eternity with him. So if we learn to abide with him, we can handle the worst of our fears.
0: Boy, Sam, that idea that, you know, falling off a bike, skidding a knee, skidding an elbow will not destroy our child. You know, to be able to say to a lot of fears, that will not destroy me. If Even happens. if it happens. Right. Uh, You know, again, I've, I've never forgotten this one pastor said this, and it's just something I I honestly think about often. And he said, we live with two things. We live with true and we live with truth. Hmm. Hmm. And he said, you cannot ignore either one of them, that there are certain things that are true. Okay. So, so could we have nuclear war? Yes, we could. We have the ability
1: That is true. It is
0: true. (laughs) Could something happen to my child? It is true. But truth is that God says, you know, I will cause you to dwell in safety. I have, you know, good desires for you. I am in control of things. There is an eternity for all of my children, those who believe in me. That is good, you know. And so to to be able to live with both, what is true? Because. Often the fears are are true possibilities, but there is a there is a truth that is above that that God keeps telling us in His Word. Right.
1: I think this is great, Gary. And you know, my hope and my prayer for everybody listening, and for you and for me, (laughs) if we don't listen, is that through the power of God we can face our fears and no longer be controlled by them. No more fearism. No more safetyism. But that in God our hope and our refuge is in him and eternity. And therefore we can face the things in this world.
0: Yeah. That's really good. Well, Sam, I, I I thank you for coming up with this idea of talking about this. (laughs) Yeah. I was a little afraid of it. (laughs) (laughs) And as we talked about this, we realized, wow, it is so prevalent, you know, in our society around us, we can feel it in our own hearts. So this, this was a fun conversation. everyone, listening again, you know, the subtitle to our podcast is, um, a conversation about God between friends. And, and this is the conversation Sam and I were having and thought, well, let's just go deeper. Let's turn the microphone on and let's just go deeper and further with this. So we're really glad you joined us on this
1: live unrehearsed conversations about God between That's friends.
0: Right. That's right. So we hope you join us on the next podcast.
1: Goodbye, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening. Please join us by following this podcast or liking it. And visit our websites, thenobleheart.com and beliefsoftheheart.com for more resources in living the eternal life with God today. You'll find articles, videos, and online classes. See you next week.